Hello, Dream Team. Welcome back to Series 2 of the AMP Podcast, Episode 1. I am your host, Russ Harris, joined by uh, AMP coaches, Dr. Garrett O'Moore. Hello. And Dan Price. Hello. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about uh, news resolutions. Regardless of what I think people think about news resolutions, it is a good time to make promises to oneself about what you're going to be doing this year. However, it was also rife with difficulties and issues as well. So we're going to go through and uh, pick the brains of these two and hopefully help with regards to everyone's news resolutions. In terms of your experience with regards to nutrition, what is it that most people are wanting to do in in the new year with a new year's resolution with their diets? Yeah, so it kind of falls into two categories. There's weight loss, which is always a big one. Um, and then also just healthy eating more generally, kind of as a broad broad focus. So those are, those are the two main ones, basically, weight loss and healthy eating, which are, you know, there's crossover, but they are kind of different. Garrett, what do you tend to do at the beginning of the year? Um, it, I guess with some of my work, people don't necessarily frame it as a, a resolution, but there's usually some kind of change they want to make. And it can be quite varied. Some people, it's, you know, it's to, it's to do with managing well-being. So it's quite a broad thing. Um, for some people, it's just, it's just making those kind of bigger changes. It could be, it could be anything from thinking about um, career, potentially, how they spend their time, um, relationships, you know, perhaps want to invest more in relationships, things like that. So it can be quite a broad, broad mm-hmm. kind of thing that people come to, uh, to talk about. But there's, there's definitely something you see that kind of January, let's get going. Yeah, I think January, less so now, but I think more in in the past. One, I've set some terrible news resolutions off the back of some sort of existential crisis after Mm -hmm. Christmas because it feels like a new beginning. It feels like, right, this is the year I'm going to do X, whatever that thing is. And I sit down with a notebook and write down all the massive long list of things I'm going to do. I think historically my strike rate is pretty poor. (laughs) How about you, Dan? Yeah, I, it's interesting to hear your your um, input on that, Garrett. Because it's I with nutrition and particularly the two goals I was mentioning, kind of healthy eating and weight loss. There's two factors to it. One I think is often at Christmas because of people you know seeing family indulging, eating more food than they would normally. There's a bit of a kind of physiological change there where some people feel like they've gained weight or maybe that their eating habits have become less healthy over Christmas. So there's kind of that knee-jerk reaction to literally just, I've eaten lots of stuff I don't normally eat, I want to change things fundamentally. But also there's the mindset thing that you've both kind of mentioned there of the new year itself. So even without the Christmas change and the eating more food or whatever, you'd probably still get this thing of, okay, it's a new year, now I'm finally going to sort out this problem or this area of my life that I've always wanted to sort out. So I think the reason fad diets and all this stuff is so, it has always been such a big thing in January is for those two reasons. One, actually people's diets have changed over the last month or so, probably not for the better. And also because of the kind of reset mentality. So yeah, it's interesting because what you were saying there about that they're just general life problems mm-hmm. that people might have or issues they're trying to resolve is poignant in January. But then you couple that with the December food, <laughs> eating, drinking stuff, it's kind of yeah. makes it even more laser focused on nutrition. I do um, get back into it sessions, tend to be the first two, mm-hmm. a little bit more mobility, a little bit more stretching rather than trying to pick up where you left off. I think sometimes that's the thing with exercise is like, I'm, I'm comparing where I'm starting post Christmas with where I left off before. Mm-hmm for a lot of people so then there's this kind of like ah oh, this is maybe i just maybe i'll just avoid it mm. 
Maybe, maybe we just go away if I avoid it. I think that's like it does bring that sort of uh, mindset shift into sharp focus. I think the sort of avoidance versus tackling the problem mm-hmm. type mindset. I mean, you might be able to speak to to that, Garrett, in terms of uh, in a bit more detail. But that's certainly what I experience with clients, um, and I think myself has probably got better over over the years with kind of just getting back into it. Because mm-hmm. you, if you do it enough times, you realise it's really not that bad. And you're more in a rhythm of doing it. But I think for years, I've faced that mm-hmm. mindset. And it feels like a real battle to then, okay, let's get back in with the swing of it. And of course, there's no frivolity anymore. There's no light, you know, the fairy lights start coming down. Yeah. And you go, right, so yeah. now I'm back in a grind. Exercise feels more difficult. My body's not moving as well as it did. Yeah. I'm not Dep- running as far. Depending on where you live, weather's <laughs> probably not that great yeah. either, you know? Yeah. Um, if you're northern hemisphere. Chances, exactly. Yeah, chances yeah. are it's a bit grey, cold. Yeah. Uh, I think context is really key. The sort of mm-hmm. environment factors is another thing. I noticed myself, you know, it's great to sort of sit there and go, yeah, you know, 1st of January, we'll get on it with exercise, nutrition, things like that. But then often if you've had, you know, a nice kind of holiday, your house is still potentially stocked with like a lot of goodies. And they haven't all just disappeared, right? So there's, 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 you also kind of tend to notice that, that that kind of eating, I notice myself, sort of lasts a little bit longer because you're kind of clearing things because it'd be shame to kind of, you know, just throw things away. Right? So that's something kind of recognize. But I think it's, that's an important thing for people actually just to understand the context, the environment you're in has a really strong influence on behavior because what we have a tendency to do is to kind of put all the fault in ourselves instead of actually understanding that the environment is actually a really big factor. So if you're surrounded by treats and all sorts of things it's a lot easier to kind of indulge than if you're if you're living some kind of monk-like existence yeah yeah definitely i mean and that's true year round so that's often with clients when we're trying to reduce snacking or things like that it's that point if you're if you have these things in your house you will end up eating them broadly speaking you know um particularly if you're layering on top of that an aspect of weight loss where your kind of internal environment is changing to being more sensitive to cravings or more thinking about the snacks that are in the cupboard and then there are snacks in the cupboard um yeah it's kind of a recipe for that so then yeah with january when you're coming out of christmas and there's still those things in the house it's probably unrealistic that you're going to be able to sort of hit the ground running january 1st and also even that i mean most people are not in the best way on january 1st right you've had a new year's eve so there's always this thing where there probably is going to be a bit of a slope slope off um from christmas Mm -hmm. and it's just about being probably more on board with that uh, and managing your expectations of like okay when am i gonna you know start to move back towards something rather than thinking on january 2nd i've already failed because i had the rest of the frere rochers or whatever (laughs) you know there's also i mean some people are in uh what you could describe as a kind of hyper motivated state you know they feel sometimes they feel like they've hit rock bottom Mm -hmm. (laughs) over christmas you're right that's that's the worst that I've been in terms of my habits with my health, my exercise, eating. Now that's got to stop. Now, now I'm on it. I'm absolutely on it. Mm-hmm. And so there's this sort of rejection of the position that they're in and sort of a fear of staying there that really creates this like massive sense of drive. And what I find with exercise with that is that that often results in news resolutions like, I'm, right, I'm going to run every day. I'm going to exercise every day. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. Because you're, because you're feeling so hyper hyper motivated you want to you you're not seeing the obstacles you're only seeing the opportunities you're almost like uh drunk on your motivation yeah. mm-hmm. and you're like right i'm just gonna and, and it affects judgment and i think that's what i find whereas under motivated is obviously the opposite problem where it's like 
I've done a few days of not moving and nothing, you know, I, my legs haven't fallen off. I'm all right. I can get away with, you know, actually, maybe I can get away with this. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's a sort of, and then you just avoid it for longer. But of course, the problem with that is you avoid it for longer and then get my get back into it sessions, which might work after a couple of weeks off, start to turn into a get back into it month. And you, you do drift further away because physical conditioning does obviously, does obviously change over time. Mm-hmm. Perhaps sometimes it's not as fragile as people make out, but but it does obviously decline. So I think in terms of exercise, if, if, if someone's in that kind of really hyper-motivated state, the problem they're going to come across is when they start exercising, your body has these hard biological, physiological limitations. Training sessions need to be recovered from. Mm-hmm. So when you're super motivated, you might think, I'm going to exercise every day, but your body hasn't agreed to that. That's just your mind, right? So your body still needs that recovery. So that's where I think you see the boom and bust type New Year's resolution thing where it's like, actually, you do you do go to Barry's boot camp or you do go to hit class or you do go out for a run, you know, almost every day for, I don't know, maybe a week, a, a couple of weeks. Maybe maybe even you, you nearly make it all the way through January. Mm-hmm. But I think at some point, the level of fatigue that you're generating from exercising that frequently just catches up with you. Mm. It's that kind of when you do then fall off the exercise bandwagon, if you have, quote-unquote, over-exercise or done a lot of activity, you need to fall off it for longer to recover properly before you go back. Mm -hmm. And that can be just massively detrimental to your sense of your own progression with your New Year's resolution. That's that's the only issue with Mm -hmm. over-motivation post-Christmas is it needs to be channeled and your exercise program needs to be aligned with rest recovery and adaptation which are like the fundamental principles of how your body either gets faster fitter leaner whatever it is whatever it might be um so i think that's what i see with over motivation yeah um and it's very similar with nutrition um and it's not just a january problem either true for exercise as well is obviously we're drawn to these i don't want to say quick fix but but more extreme methods you know because it's the stuff that you see advertised it's the stuff that's promoted the most these kind of lifestyle overhaul where you're up at five and doing the whatever juice smoothie and then going out on the run and all that kind of stuff and i think there's that you know there's plenty of people that do that successfully and there's nothing wrong with doing that but what it serves to do for you know i don't say regular people myself all of us everyone basically who's not someone who is that way to be doing that naturally is the barrier it creates is your perception of whether it's exercise, whether it's nutrition, is that it needs to be at that level. That's that's the level you need to be at. So it needs to be everything's completely non-processed, everything's home-cooked, meal-prepped. And you can do that for a few days, a few weeks. But then when it does start to wear on you, you start missing these things, and it's, oh, no, I had my crisps yesterday or whatever you can fall off it and then there's a really easy excuse of being like yeah it's way too hard to eat healthy or it's way too hard to lose weight because you've got to do all of this stuff mm-hmm. when the reality is you've put that expectation on it you don't need to eat that way to make positive health changes or to lose weight but if you're going for like the a star level grade when all you really need is a c to actually get the result that you want um you've all, you're always going to have that barrier so what people do is every time they're coming trying to get the a star every time and never getting it, and then just being like, oh, I'm never getting a pass, as it were, right? To extend the the grade analogy, um, so it's this, it's the same with the training. I think it's, the harder you go, 
um, in January, you're setting an expectation that sort of is impossible to fulfill. So you're setting yourself up for, for failure with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's something there about being realistic, mm. you'd say. Yeah. Yeah, I think being realistic, but so because you're you kind of touch on two things, right? One of them is people that start too hard, which is that, and the other one is people that are struggling to get started at all. And for that, I'd agree completely with this point you were saying about these uh, get back sessions or the kind of that it, it, I know it's some kind of cliche but just doing it is the only way to do it you know when I'm talking about training with my clients and certainly for myself the first session back is always going to be bad it's always going to feel oh it feels achy I feel out of practice with these movements whether that's for myself or for clients but if you accept that the first session is going to feel a bit like that and then the second session is going to feel much better. It's like you just have to get that first session out of the way. So whether you stick it in January 2nd and just get in and do something, then when you get in later in the week, it's like, okay, cool, now I'm getting into my program again. If you keep putting it off and off and off, that first session is never going to get any easier to do. And it's the same with nutrition. If we can go, oh, I'm going to wait till I've done the big shop to get everything in and now oh, I can't do that till next week because I've got a family member coming over for a late Christmas meetup like the end of the week. It's like there's no need to not have a nice bowl of yogurt with berries and nuts in the morning because you've got a family member coming over at the weekend right so just start by making a choice which is back in line with your plan mm-hmm. and that will begin to then bring it back in yeah okay i mean you might be able to speak to why uh, setting your expectations quite high it would be much easier to then feel overwhelmed by the task in front of you mm-hmm. absolutely yeah and i think that's something you're going to see that that difference between sort of expectation and reality so if you've got expectations up here and your current reality is here it's like in this gap that's we tend to that's the space that people often beat themselves up in that's the frustration zone that is the frustration (laughs) zone yeah it's it's like it's that so actually getting a little bit more of a sense of actually what is real and what is kind of a realistic uh way to start which is which is quite hard to do yeah i think because you know i mean took me years to get to grips with exercise and i was doing it as a job there's so much to learn mm-hmm. and, and learn about yourself as well. I think if you're just getting started, you know, take it, take it from someone who works in, you know, works in the industry and sees lots of people move and coaches people through exercise. Um, it can take a long time to really learn what works for you. And sometimes what works for you at the beginning changes. Mm-hmm. And so that can derail you through no fault of your own. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you just, you start off like, I mean, I see, uh, what, what sometimes if, if someone feeling a bit overwhelmed with the exercise thing don't necessarily have feeling confident enough to turn up to like an exercise group class for mm-hmm. instance and so kind of I'm just going to go out for a run even when running might not be the thing they want to do but it's it's better than turning up to a gym where everyone's going to be looking at them mm-hmm. and I think that's fine but then when you decide that you feel a bit more confident you actually don't like running mm. and then when you stop running and go into classes and say sometimes people end up in that trap and sort of beating themselves up for stopping running it's like that was a means to an end right that, that, mm. that you were driven to do that activity for a totally different reason and 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 physically often with many goals there's not one way of skinning the cat yeah you know if you, if you want if you want to generally improve your health and, and generally become a bit fitter and feel more confident with exercise you can pick up a barbell, you can pick up a kettlebell, you can do bodyweight exercise, you know, you can go for a run. Mm-hmm. There are so many options, almost an overwhelming amount of options um, that you can go for. And sometimes it just changes over time. Mm-hmm. 
I think that, that's again, it's possible to take that step back and actually have a think about you know, more broadly, what is it I'm actually looking to achieve? So is it more sort of around health, well-being? Because if you look at that as a bigger thing, and it's this idea like, is, is my goal going to be like a ticket off the, like it's on a tick list? It's a kind of like, I can run, I can run, you know, a mile under this time, tick, and then we're done. Or is it something actually about maintaining kind of fitness or something lifelong? Because it, if it's a kind of a, if it's, if it's just like a one-off goal, if it's more like a way of being, it's a really different thing. And I think that's in, ter- in terms of kind of attitude mindset, if you look at things more like how do I actually want to be in the world? Like, do I want to be like a healthy person? Do I want to be like a fit, energetic kind of person? It becomes this kind of higher level thing that you can then get into the detail within that and go, okay, well, what are the practical ways I can actually work towards that? And if you take, I think from my perspective, if you take more of that kind of an attitude, you develop more of a learning mentality and, you, and it becomes less a kind of a, what's the absolute 100% best way I can do this, that, or the other right now? It becomes more like everything's kind of feeding into this bigger thing. You know, it's like, do I want to be, like, what is, you know, if I want to be fit and healthy, what does that actually look like? And actually that could involve, there could be running in there, there could be swimming in there, there could be a whole lot of different things. But I think it gives you the space to kind of play and to try things because actually it's, mm. it's from something else as opposed to if I set myself this really specific thing of like, I need to just get really good at running. It's like, why? Do you really like running? Or it's just because you think you should be good at running because that somehow indicates you're fit or healthy. Because you can get you can really, you know, really good at running and actually be quite unhealthy. So you want to kind of take that step back and yeah, that's sort of understand. A, that's a great point, isn't it? It's the, it's the preconception of what that activity equates to mm-hmm. can sometimes be... It, it, it's not necessarily that it's entirely wrong, it just like maybe lacks detail, it's not entirely right. Like there are lots of fit and healthy people who run, but also, as you said, you can be you can be a runner and be really healthy in other in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, fascinating. Yeah, if I could just add to your point there, Garrett, because this idea of is it just a one-off, short-term thing you're trying to achieve, or is it more of a uh, lifestyle change or lasting change? And that's I think where it goes wrong for a lot of people because there's this it's kind of a misapplication of like time how we perceive time mm-hmm. because if we think okay the goal is again i'm dealing a lot with weight loss or getting fit generally building muscle getting healthy those kind of things if we accept that you know all being well we'll be here again next january so we'll all be here again in january if you've even got the mindset still that you want to make these changes and that mindset at least a general move towards that can last for a year mm-hmm then in that year you will have made progress towards that for sure. But everyone, uh, you know, everyone wants the result yesterday kind of mentality of like, I want how, how long is it going to take? And so often when I'm talking about weight loss interventions that might be like a kilo a month or, you know, two kilos a month, maybe even this, it sounds really slow to people that want to lose a kilo a week plus, right? But again, we're going to be here next January you don't even need to across 12 months you don't even the goal is not to lose that even that many kilos mm-hmm. right and it's like if you if you lose it in 2 months for the remaining 10 months of the year you're still going to have to be making positive nutrition choices and lifestyle choices to maintain the results you've got so what does it really matter if it takes us 6 months to get to the point where you're then maintaining it or it takes us 2 points 2 months to get to that point and it's not even to next january it's kind of for the rest of time if you're someone that wants to live a healthy lifestyle, 
we're not talking about oh, how quick can I get healthy it's like well you're going to be doing this forever yeah. so the only danger is if you if you try and rush it and it's like then what so you rush it and you get it in three months and it's like oh great now I can go back to what I was doing before <laughs> then it won't last very long so yeah. when you look at it more like it's not how quick can it get done it's 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 going to be forever and there'll be phases in it obviously yeah. fat loss dieting is not forever but those changes you're making some version of that will remain in your sort of toolbox so often that's why i'd say to clients if we can just get any kind of intervention whether it's for health or weight loss that's working at all we're getting any progress with it now we just apply time to that that's it don't need to change anything like if it's working and you're bought in and it's sustainable then that's it we're just going to sit with it now rather than rush 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 Mm -hmm. when's it done by so do you tend to see consistency over time is what will get you there well, it's the only thing, isn't it, that, that's going to keep you there, mm-hmm. right? So, again, if you want to be someone that's, you know, sometimes it's almost quite a claustrophobic feeling to think, but if, if you, Russ, fit, strong man, still wants to be in shape in 10 years, mm-hmm. you're going to be going to the gym three times a week lifting weights for the next 10 years. That's the reality of it. Now, you don't have to inhale all of that in one go and think oh my god i can never stop but the reality is that's what it's going to look like is it's not oh good i've i've built some muscle i'm in good shape now i'll just sit here mm-hmm. so the consistency whatever way and, and i imagine for us and for me and for most people that are into their fitness it's a pleasure to train you know you've cultivated an environment where you enjoy training so that's going to be no problem it's like oh i get to train three times a week for the next 10 years and beyond but that's the stage to get to with it is that it's not how quick can i get somewhere and then be like, oh, good, I've done it. Like it might be with a marathon mm-hmm. where I've got to train and then I probably won't do it again. Yeah, I think it's, there are certain changes that need to make need to happen within your uh, within inside your brain that take time to change and become uh, become more permanent. You know, so the way that, uh, for instance, the way that people respond to exercise with dopamine we talk broadly about dopamine being the happy hormone it makes you feel good it's linked with reward but your dopaminergic system adapts to different stimulus and so if you've never done exercise before what you're going to experience when you go into the gym is that you feel a, a bit out of place to begin with because the gym's not really your environment so already you've probably got a little bit of uh, adrenaline a bit of anxiety sort of swirling around which is not conducive to relaxing and, and releasing lots of dopamine uh, so feeling good so there's already environmental factors and then when you start moving you get all these strange sensations right so breathing rate's going to go up you're going to be like that feels hard there's, there's, there's a definite feeling of uncomfortable the higher your heart rate goes and the higher breathing rate goes it's the same for everyone it feels more and more uncomfortable and you become more panicky about that and then certain exercises and movements might feel quite clunky or you're not really sure if you're doing them correctly is that supposed to feel like that you know why is that bit hurting um and then you're sort of looking around the gym as well and seeing other people doing what they're doing and that seemingly nobody else is having this internal sort of crisis right so then you start to feel out of place so you've got all of this going on that is not the same experience as i go to the gym after years of training my experience is I go in, I pay very little attention to anybody else these days because I know what I'm going to do. I've got my program. I know what I've done in the past. There's there's a lot of evidence in my past to suggest that I can be confident about the outcome of the gym session, which makes a big difference. Um, so even if something doesn't feel great at the beginning, I, I've been there, done it. Oh, you go, mm, okay, tweak this, change that. So it, I'm not 
it isn't quite the same mental load going into the gym. And then my my brain has now adapted so that it it's now optimized for exercise in terms of releasing dopamine, right? Because I've taken all of those other stresses out of the way of the whole practice of exercise. And so now I'm just left with this kind of good feeling as I'm going through the session. And of course, I know if, uh, you know, a 100 kg deadlift is, is a good thing or a bad thing at that point in the session compared to what I've done in the past. Um, and so I can rationalize it away if I want to, <laughs> if I want to or I can pay attention to it I can, I've got those choices and I've got almost buys you time mentally when you're exercising I think from having been consistent over time with that practice mm-hmm. so it's a totally different experience so I think don't expect you know to to sort of go into the gym or exercise and immediately just be flooded with this euphoria <laughs> about so. the whole thing that there are some hurdles and obstacles that are nothing to do with your ability to exercise, uh, anything you're doing wrong, simply just there are these processes and mechanisms within the brain and within the body and in with, within our psychology and, and physiology that need to adapt over time to consistent exercise. And that's why I would, I would put consistency and, and sort of just going in and being curious about trying the movements and seeing what it feels like over performance to begin with. Mm-hmm. Because I think if you try and focus on, I'm going to run this far, I, th- those outcome goals that you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. go, if I'm going to run this far, I'm going to lift this many weights, I'm going to go to the gym this many times. These are the sort of metrics I'd be using with someone who's already in a regular pattern of exercising, who's mm-hmm. got some of the other stuff out of the way. Never really focus on that with someone who's just starting out. It's, it's, it's all around technique, confidence, feeling comfortable, understanding the equipment. It's, it's, it's orientating yourself in the environment or with the task. And, and I think that's, uh, that's something that I would say from an exercise point of view would help massively in terms of building confidence, consistency, and, and actually just learning, learning to enjoy it yourself, but also teaching your body and your brain how to enjoy it. Yeah, 100%. I think that's something that coaches probably need to be reminded of um, when you're talking to a client about exercising. Oh, can you try and get in three, four times a week? It's like you have to remember that if you're a personal trainer, it's something that comes naturally to you, very naturally, in the same way as the, the client is may well be very on top of their house admin or on top of their probably their, their job or whatever, right? Things that maybe you don't aren't that on top of. And to, to you, that concept is, is to, oh, exercise, right? For myself, um, I have tried to start running multiple times and failed at that because that doesn't come naturally to me. Whereas the gym probably didn't come naturally at first, but I've been doing it for a long time. And my relationship with running is very similar to what most people's relationship who are trying to get into exercise is like with exercise generally, which is that I'll start doing it. I might go three times in the first week, three times in the next, and something will happen the next week. It means I don't get it. I can't quite get in. And then, and then, ah, oh, three weeks go by and I haven't run. And then six months will go by and I haven't run. And then I'll try and pick it up again. And this is people's relationship with exercise generally. And so when I'm trying to get into the, the mind of my, my client with this, it's like, me asking them to go to the gym is like someone asking me to go running and it's going to be the same barriers that I have trying to do that um, because yeah we can get lost in what we find natural is not going to be the same to, to everyone else but is that the same with food as well if you're used to a diet of certain types of foods if you suddenly change whole, you know, in the same way as people change with exercise if you suddenly shift your diet dramatically over to something that would you know, be regarded as healthier there's not an instantaneous adjustment from the rest of your body. No, I, I think changing food is um, harder in almost every way than exercise because realistically, no matter, even if you're 
dragged there kicking and screaming. Exercising for three hours a week is three hours a week. Food is all the time. And food is all the time and it's emotional and it's coming home from a long day at work knackered. You've had an issue at work and you just want to order a delivery or get some food out. That's, you know, that's all the time. And it's habits that you've been doing forever. With exercise, I'm not downplaying that it's difficult to exercise, but it is for an hour or 40 minutes, three times a week, you can drag yourself through that. Um, So in terms of exercise change and can you just sort of u-turn overhaul it obviously you can people do do this my approach always with clients is to try and make things as simple as possible and as manageable as possible there's a trade-off with this i'm you know my way with nutrition coaching is so much to this side of um, sustainability and and consistency and so for me if i'm trying to even help with someone losing weight it's going to still include chocolate and alcohol and restaurant food if that is what the original diet included it's just going to have the quantities and frequencies of those things reduced so it's set up for weight loss because i want something that is going to have the least change and only changing the variables that really matter to start with now over time if you've already reduced your alcohol to one night out a week from three it does become easier over time to then because what people see is the knock-on effect of that they're not hung over three times a week and then it's like, actually, I'd rather not be hungover at all. So then the drinks come down a little bit. So I think it's layering on, start with what's necessary to get the result moving for them to see the positive changes from that and then layer on it on top of it. Changing it all at once, there's, probably, there's an argument for it. Just in my experience, it works far less. What's your, what's your process go? If somebody comes to you and says, I want to change, I want to change this thing. Is there an investigative work that you do first in terms of trying to ask questions to ascertain where that's come from and how does that how does that work in a in a session yeah, itself? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's really helpful to take a bit of time up front and actually investigate a bit more depth. You know, you're really you're really kind of building the foundation then because if you just rush in, you know, it's like you just start something and then you know you're a little bit into it and then it's like oh, the motivation's gone. Actually, yeah, I wasn't really feeling it. And it's, I mean, that, that's in part, actually, when we talk about New Year's resolutions and the fact that they don't really, they don't stick a lot of the time, they peter out. I mean, from my view, my, my sort of take on it is that half the time they're not resolutions. Because if you think about it, a resolution is like making a commitment to yourself to do something, right? Like you're, you're, it's your, you're kind of taking it seriously. Whereas a lot of things people do, they're kind of half-baked. You know, it's a little bit like, yeah, I think I'll, I'll just join the gym in, the gym in January. And then by Feb, it's like, nah, you know, didn't really sort of sit down to sort of go, okay, what do I, what do I want to change and why do I want to change it? And I think taking the time to do that is, is that for me is like the starting point. And that's, that's where you, you can trace quite a bit of it back to that, that actually the, the, the initial bit is not kind of clear enough. There's not enough kind of, there's not actually enough buy-in. It's a kind of a surface buy-in. It's kind of, oh, it'd be really great to kind of, you know, get in shape or to do this, to do that. But when you actually really get into it and just investigate, unpack it a little bit more, you can look at things like, you know, does it tie into what someone values in a deeper way? Is there something kind of meaningful, purposeful in this? Is it something that we often talk about in psychology? Is it more sort of intrinsic as opposed to extrinsic? So what I mean by that is, is it like an internal driver for it or an external driver? So... Do I want something for me in the sense that it, it's meaningful to me or it makes me feel good in and of itself or is it more because I'm anticipating some kind of external reward? 
you know, so it's like if, if I want to sort of change my, uh, you know, um, my physique, for example, it's like, is that because that's meaningful to me in the sense that I could, I'm going to be sort of better able to do a lot of uh, sports and things that I want to do? Or is it more because I think, oh, people will find me more attractive? Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that, you know not, not to sort of say that there's nothing in that, but what you t- tend to find is if, the, if the, the desired thing is something outside of yourself, often when you yeah. get into those kind of trickier moments, that's, that's when it, it tends to wane a bit. Yeah. That kind of, that's sort of what people might call willpower resolve to continue. But if it's personally meaningful to you, like on a deeper level, the kind of thing that I'm going to do this whether anyone else knows about it or not, because like it's for me, that's the kind of, that's, that's pretty powerful if you have that just as a, as a, as a foundation. Sometimes those two are quite difficult to unwind. Mm-hmm. And I they, would imagine. They can, yeah, can be both. They can be both ah. as well. Don't forget that, right? Okay. So, you know, you can actually, you can become an, an intrinsic motivator and an extrinsic motivator for the same thing. So, yeah, interesting. So, because how you relate to yourself versus how other people relate to you. And I'm just thinking from your example of physique, yes, you want other people to look at you w- with some form of adoration for your physique, but you also want to feel more confident for yourself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the means of achieving the confidence doesn't actually come from the results of the physique. It actually comes from the process of sticking to exercise, diet routines, yeah. and self-efficacy in a way, that kind of, I have set this goal and I am now achieving it, therefore I feel more confident about myself. Mm-hmm. That's why, I, I mean, I often see people's goals shift so that the initial goal, maybe I didn't so, go into uh, enough depth uh, with them uh, evolves over time. <laughs> in the first place, it yeah. evolves over time because maybe they solve, I mean, this is a very specific example, but perhaps solve the, the, the internal mm-hmm. uh, motivation before they get to the external one. Yeah. And then they, they're not so fussed about the end goal anymore and they go actually I, I still like the idea of looking good but actually my deadlift is coming along nicely and I'd quite like to be able to get 10 kilos more on that and I really enjoy turning up to the gym and doing that now I've seen that time and time again mm. yeah. I think one of the things there is it's one of the things we're not so good at as people is actually anticipating how we change over time mm. so I think the evolution of, of kind of goals and things is quite natural I think especially something like that like if you're new to the gym at the moment, like you're setting goals, but your goals, they're kind of, they're in your mind and you haven't had that kind of feedback yet. So for example, once I maybe start exercising, you know, you know, maybe you train me to do deadlifts. I do these deadlifts. So I feel like really strong and powerful. So like, ooh, that's an experience I hadn't actually anticipated when I was thinking about why I might want to go to the gym. So I might be wanting to go to the gym initially. I'm thinking maybe I want to lose weight. Maybe I want to do something aesthetic, but wow, like I feel really powerful. I feel like really confident that I can do this. And then suddenly, like, the, 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 you know, the whole thing might then start to shift in response to experiences you're having that you hadn't anticipated prior because mm. you didn't know so much about it. And, you know, we contrast that perhaps with yourself. You know, if you have a lot of experience going to a gym, you have a much better sense of the kind of you know, reactions you're going to have yourself to the different things you do, whereas actually that's one of the fun things about doing something for the first time. You don't always know where it's going to take you. And so I think it's quite a natural thing, like a natural evolution that, you know, things actually do change over time. The goals do evolve. The goals change. Yeah. Um, just, I think there's some great points with that. Um, this thing about, say, confidence or self-perception, right? So we, if we go to self-perception is entirely your own, your own perception of yourself, and that's you kind of creating your own reality with that. And I think a, a good example of that is I will have clients who have started at, um, say, a very overweight point, 
and then they will have lost a significant amount of weight and just feel fantastic with themselves. Like, I feel amazing. I feel really, really happy with this. Uh, whereas for someone else, that might be the starting point, right? And they would feel maybe less confident if they got to that weight. So it's a clear indicator that it's not about how much someone weighs or how someone looks or those kind of things. It's how someone feels about what they've achieved uh, or how, you know, oh, I've managed to do this or all of this. And so I think with the the gym stuff, if you, if you start from someone who's coming to say, I want to lose weight or I want to look better or build muscle. And the real reason they're there is because they don't feel confident and they don't feel like self-worth or these kind of things. If you can then get that person into the gym where they, where they go from feeling intimidated in a gym to them feeling confident, lifting lots of weight, being like, wow, I'm lifting loads of weight compared to other people in here, or I've seen my progress over time. They probably will have made some physical change as well, but they actually start to appreciate their own body differently. Because again, I've had a lot of the clients that I train are women that are already in really great shape. But again, a lot of other people I've trained to work with be like, oh my God, that person looks amazing. They don't perceive themselves like that at all. So then often in that case, all that person needs is to get into an environment where they're like, actually, I feel really great in the gym. And actually now that I'm looking around, I can see, oh, actually I'm lifting more than people who I would have thought were much stronger and fitter than me. And then realizing actually, no, you do belong in the gym. That's actually the thing that they maybe needed. And then it's not that they don't want to continue, like you say, Russ, to see physical positive change, but it's more this thing of feeling like, actually, I feel pretty happy with myself now. And I've still got goals to go forward with, Mm. which is such a shift. And it's because, as you say, Garrett, the thing they were actually looking for you know, they could have just snapped their fingers and suddenly been in better shape, whatever that meant for them. It probably wouldn't have actually satisfied that as much mm-hmm. as seeing themselves that, oh, I am a competent person, you know, I warrant respect in the gym, people, you know, and don't stick out like a sore thumb anymore, that kind of stuff. Can, can I just add one more yeah. thing to it? Because it you, you had a real good point there, Gary, about separating the difference between what types of resolutions almost like intrinsic and extrinsic. Mm-hmm. I think another one as well, is, is this difference between like an actionable resolution versus like an outcome-based resolution? Mm-hmm. Because if someone says, my New Year's resolution is to lose weight, that, that's an outcome. You can't wake up every day and lose weight. You can do things that might make that outcome happen. So this would be, if the New Year's resolution, dry January is a good example, right? Because dry, dry January, January is an actionable goal. So if every day you can go, I didn't drink today, I didn't drink today. These are things you're in control of every day. And if at the end of January, you've either lost weight, have better liver health, whatever it is, those are <laughs> outcomes. Whereas if you just said, oh, I want to improve my liver health, like how? And the how is the thing that you yeah. are doing. So I think it is worth doing that. And again, with weight loss, that might be steps. It might be, I would advise looking at maybe two areas of your diet, like snacking and social calories, a restaurant and alcohol. If you just go, okay, I am going to reduce my restaurant visits to once a week rather than three, four times, whatever it is, or I'm going to keep my snacks to a certain calorie allowance, whatever you decide, those are things you actually can do. And then what you'll find is the outcome will likely come alongside that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. So I'd echo that with exercise as well. There are not that I'm going to get fitter, which is the outcome, but how many times am I going to exercise? So with exercise, frequency, duration, intensity, and type are the four main categories that you want to be able to understand what it is you're going to be doing. And if you can get those things aligned, um, you will be able to align your program with how the way your body works, the way your body adapts. So, 
you know, to begin with, if you're just going to go, I'm going to exercise three times a week, again, that's measurable. So you can say, I, I did that or I didn't do that. In terms of the intensity, the higher intensity, the more fatigue is created. So you have to be careful with both high frequency and high intensity exercise because it's just not recoverable. Mm-hmm. You can't, you'll, be, you'll be in bits, right? So you've got to get the intensity right. And actually for a lot of goals, um, there's so much evidence to support that some sessions should be intense, but some you'll really benefit from being lower intensity those recovery sessions mobility exercises going for a walk you know some of those things will have almost zero need for recovery because there's zero fatigue so going for a walk and stuff you can do every day you know because there isn't that fatigue element whereas a big hit session or spin session or big strength session you know those your body's going to take time to recover from those Mm. so that kind of frequency and intensity interplay is really is really key and then duration and type as well so type of exercise stretching strength resistance training cardio they are all good for all of us so there's a place in in everybody's program for some of those things and there's a lot of crossover as well so you could be lifting weights um but if you're lifting them quite quickly your heart rate's going to increase so you could say that that's both resistance training and cardio Mm -hmm. programs that only do one type of exercise are inherently self-limiting so if you look at any high-performing athlete whether it's they're an endurance runner or whether they're a strength athlete, opposite ends of that spectrum, both of those will benefit from doing some other types of exercise, mm-hmm. albeit in slightly lower percentages. And for most people who aren't looking to be athletes, who are just looking to be fitter and perhaps you know keep, keep themselves trim uh, and be healthier, you, you can, there is a lot of sway over the type of exercise that you do because they're all beneficial in some way. To just make sure that you're not doing all stretching or always strength or always cardio. Make sure there is some balance in there. Um, and then the final one is duration, which mainly mainly comes uh, un- under the guise of endurance training. And you've got to be careful within, with duration. You know, if, you, if you're going out on a, on a bike or a run or a, whatever, doing cardio for like two hours, the amount of fatigue that that generates versus 10 minutes of that activity is, yeah. is a big, dif- big difference. Yeah. So, so it's managing that as well. Those are the four. Those are the four things I would I would look at with exercise that actually help to, as you said, Dan, like actually build actionable yeah. points. You can define all of those things, um, and they can really help when you're structuring a program. Can I? Uh, so, one thing just to add to that. Um, I was thinking just just picking up the the two of you've been talking about. One thing around uh, the goals that can be quite helpful just for people to have a, have a think about is that we tend to respond better to more what we call like an approach goal rather than like an avoidance goal. So the idea of actually starting something tends to be easier than stopping something. Um, so the interesting, like dry, dry January, like you're, the idea is that I'm going to stop drinking for January. So that would typically be understood as like a harder kind of a goal from a psychological point of view because you're trying to stop something. And the way our system kind of works is we don't really like to have things taken away from us unless they're replaced by something equal or better. Right. That, that's the kind of it's, it's just kind of a little bit of rule of thumb there so the idea of like I'm going to stop drinking so the thing is if you want if you want to do a dry January then again there can be a bit of a kind of reframe to actually make it more of the approach thing which is like well why do I want to do a dry January and it's like well my health okay well, what about my health and that could be you know the I want to improve my liver health or whatever it might be and then it's like okay well, well what would that look like what are the kind of steps I could take to do that and so then the kind of idea of going well what I'm doing is yeah, I'm, I'm not so much sort of stopping drinking I'm more working towards my, you know, improving my, my health in that way. Or the thing is you substitute it. So rather than sort of focusing on like, I've got to not drink, is there a drink I'd like to add instead? 
And if you sort of, you put that in instead, so today I'm going to have this, I'm going to see if I can have this drink once a day. And maybe do that at the same time you might have to, to previously had your, your alcoholic beverage. And you tend to find with that sort of an approach, it tends to be that a little bit easier. And the ability to kind of stick, stick it out tends to, tends to improve. Yeah, 100%. I, and I'd add to that as well. Um, generally speaking, things that positive, I, I call these kind of positive changes mm -hmm. uh, in the sense of like, or proactive change, right? In that you're adding something. Mm -hmm. Often we talk a lot about this, you know, how important is exercising more for weight loss? And the answer is like, yeah, if you burn more calories, it's going to be useful. But compared to calorie reduction from nutrition, it's usually the smaller of the two, right? But that said, I think adding, whether it is, oh, here's a little 15-minute circuit to do in the morning, or if it is a little bit of stationary bike work or something, the reason adding cardio or any exercise is so useful in these, in these weight loss plans is because there's a big difference between waking up on a Thursday and it's what I've got to do today is not eat chocolate. Or what I've got to do today is eat less than this amount of calories. If it's actually today, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do my 20 minutes on the bike. That might only burn 150 calories or so. But if then after that, you feel positive that you've made like a, a proactive step towards your goal and then you go into work, you're not going to then want to go and have a load of snacks that weren't part of your plan. You're like, I've already got up early to do my cycling you start building on that and suddenly that day is something where you can go i did something positive for my goal today rather than just i didn't do bad things mm -hmm. yeah massively same, different same with the diet as well inclusion versus exclusion in the diet so i'm going to include more healthy foods i'm going to include these uh, high fiber options i'm going to include this rather than i'm going to take away sugar i'm going to take away caffeine take away alcohol <laughs> because then yeah you end up in that you end up in that space of just like deprivation i'm well. constantly it sounds like things have just been taken from me yeah you know it's like oh 100 and that is something i've actually changed my opinion on maybe over um years of coaching is we can sometimes be quite i say we to include a lot of us <laughs> in it for us but we can be when you come from like an evidence-based background we can be quite um maybe reasonable on saying a lot of these supplements and a lot of these different kind of things aren't really making much difference right so it's like, oh, it doesn't really matter if you do this or it doesn't really matter if you train fasted or the, all these are kind of myths that you can dispel and then what you drill it back down to is this quite basic approach where as long as you're doing these kind of boring things but the thing is a lot of this stuff even if it's not doing masses physiologically even if it's only maybe doing a tiny tiny little benefit right it's actually for some people including these things so having their little supplement routine in the morning or including certain foods that might make small benefits to their satiety or things like this like they can actually be quite massive and each time you're doing something like that it's a little pinprick of i'm doing something positive for my goal and i think that in a way is almost more of what their power is and whatever the physiological benefit is because each time you do something that's positive is reinforcing that you're doing it for your goal you know we, we've reflected on this with like bodybuilders and there's a lot of kind of mythology and old school um approaches to nutrition and different mm -hmm. things and training even in bodybuilding but it's like because they're doing you know a million things for their goal and maybe only five of them are really actually that important it's like they're not going to miss those five ever because they're doing so much even more specific than that that even if they drop off a couple of these little bits right at the top that maybe don't matter that much, this is protected. Mm -hmm. Whereas as soon as you start going, oh, all I've got to do is hit calories and protein and eat some vegetables, it's like, well, if that's how low you're setting the bar, like those things can drop off. Oh, or, yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? I mean, I do the same. I mean, we probably all have 
any number of them, but like, I mean, does it really matter that I wear socks that match? Does it, does it make any difference whatsoever? But will I wear odd socks? No. How do I feel about people who do wear odd socks? Very uncomfortable. <laughs> and it's like, it's, it doesn't make any difference, but it does make me feel like I've done something like making your bed in the morning. Does it make a difference? No, of course, you know, in my mind, it doesn't have any bearing on what's going to happen the rest of the day, except it does make a difference to the way I feel about that process. And I feel like I've done something that's in some way positive. Mm -hmm. And that starts a cycle of behavior where I don't want to then do something that's a negative because, well, I've got my even socks on. Yeah, well, absolutely. That's it. And so because we can already accept that so much of this is all just in our minds anyway, all of this perception about yourself, what your goals are, all of those things, we may as well invite that into our plan which is let's do things that make you feel positive about what you're doing um so yeah ad- adding things um that you can do that basically setting yourself up for wins more often than failures yeah. is it if you can win 10 times a day that's going to really help your motivation yeah you're absolutely right and even that making the bed example you make your bed in the morning you go to work whatever you do for the rest of the day maybe the day doesn't go as planned there's some frustrations you get home and you're like ah oh, made my bed yeah. So I got to win today, yeah. right? And it, do, it do, I mean, it might seem like a trivial kind of thing, but it, it definitely builds. And that's, you know, to really pick up on Daniel, that, that is essentially getting on a roll. So even though they're small things, they kind of aggregate and they do, they do that ability, you know, I was able to set, I was able to set a task and complete it. Mm-hmm. Even though it's a small task, making my bed, still did it. Still completed what I set out to do. And I think that's, that's, that's a bit of the secret sauce there, that you can actually, you can start in these kind of smaller things and just build them up. And you take confidence from those things. The idea like, well, if I can make a bed, why can't I do this thing? Right? It took me five yes. minutes to make a bed. This is going to take me 10 minutes, but I should be able to do that as well. Right? And then, then the 10-minute activity, then when you go to your 15-minute activity, you're like, well, I made the bed, did the five minutes, I did this next task for 10 minutes, and I can do this one. So it just kind of builds. And that, that's really how you get into kind of, you get on that roll through the day. And so actually having those kind of smaller things in your routine can be really, really powerful. And it's actually the process of building confidence. Yeah, part of it. Because that sounds very mechanistic. Like if you can demonstrate evidence of you being able to be competent, then it seems likely that the only real result you could end up with at the end of that, as long as you believe the evidence, is confidence. Yeah. Because you can't achieve all that stuff and believe that you've done well to achieve it all and then not feel confident, surely. Can you? How long have we got? Yeah. We got? <laughs> yeah, moving goalposts. Yeah, yeah, but if we yeah. want to get into the, the psychology of it, we, we can because it's, it's possible that we are, we feel like we're going to a different topic now, but I can be dismissive of things I've achieved. And what I'm not doing is I'm not actually making note of, of the, the thing, achievements. Right. Whereas me with my socks, where I congratulate yeah. myself for wearing exactly. socks, so I'm on a roll. You're clocking it because you're, you're, you're banking your wins. Yeah. That's, that's the bit. So you're actually recognizing that's how you build the confidence. Can you be overconfident if you bank too many wins? You can be <laughs> like if I see every one of my actions as yeah. as a win. Yeah, but Russ, I think yeah. I think it's probably more likely that you're able to bank those wins, but there may be aspects of your life where you're not maybe recognizing the wins that you're having. Yeah, uh, in, in that way, you know, because this is I think one of the biggest benefits of having a coach in these journeys is being able to be a mirror to the client for things they are completely blind to, mm-hmm. and one of the biggest conversations I'm having all the time with my clients is like can we acknowledge how well you've done because we I can have people that have lost huge amounts of weight 
and it's still this thing of like, oh, I want to get here. I want to, oh, I've messed up this weekend. It's like, okay, you messed up this weekend. It's like, look where we are now versus where we were mm-hmm. at the start of the year. Bearing in mind, you've had 20 years of yo-yo dieting, never getting anywhere. You've, you're getting compliments from everyone. That you were, like, we're in an amazing place, except that you have done that, right? And if you heard someone else telling you this story about how well they've done, you'd be like, oh, God, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Apply that to yourself. Mm-hmm. That, that's to your question of can... If you've said, because again, and this is why sometimes I'll get people to write things down or I'll be like, you know, do we remember having this conversation? Because it will literally be, oh, if I can just get to this point, I'll be really happy. And then it's like, right, well, we're at that point. Do you remember Mm. saying that? And it's like, I know now that we want to go here even further. That's fine. But can we at least sit in the fact that we've achieved what you said you'd be super happy with? And that's true for probably all of us as well. Mm. But I think that with career stuff and life stuff is to, to look back on things that you would have been over the moon to be doing five, ten years ago, sometimes it's a consolation if you can recognise that now. But it doesn't mean that I think all of us have a affliction to always want maybe more than you have. Fine. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. I think we can we can build confidence with these wins, but you can also be blind to yeah. your own yeah. successes. Spot on. Yeah, no, I think you know, sports is a good example of that because if you think about team sport, football, what happens when the team scores a goal typically? What do they do? Celebrate. Yeah. And if they win the match? Celebrate even more. And if they win the league? Really celebrate, right? So, so yeah, they're, they're, all, they're all kind of steps, but they're celebrating the wins. Mm. And I think that's the bit to recognise. It's, it's so easy to kind of, you know, you're picking up and down, it's a really, really important point that actually a lot of people, we, we don't really spot our progress. No? It's mm. almost a bit like, you know, a lot of parents might, you know, if, if um, they've got children, the children are kind of growing up then maybe see how much they change. Whereas if a relative maybe comes along like a grandparent or someone hasn't seen them for potentially if they live far away, like a month or two or three or whatever it might be, or another relative hasn't seen them for like a year, so it's like, whoa, mm. like you've changed a lot. And the, you know, the person themselves you've been around they may not see that to the same degree, right? So I think that ability actually to, to kind of take stock and sort of go, okay, well, how far have I come in my journey? I think is really important because in a way, if we don't do that, if you never celebrate the win, to some degree, it's a bit like, what's the point? Yeah. Uh, it, like you, 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 you're, you're kind of just beating yourself over the head. No matter how accomplished you become or no matter how successful mm. you get or no matter how many goals you accomplish, you, where's the satisfaction? Do, do you think, Garrett, with this, that the goal, though, is perhaps to be aware of this phenomenon rather than trying to control it? Because if you, if you take that, that football analogy there and then you think, okay, if you take like Luton Town, who have been promoted and promoted and promoted season on season, now they're in the Premier League, mm-hmm. they're still going to be sad and deflated when they lose a game in the mm-hmm. league. A bit of broader perspective might go, we're playing in the Premier League. Yeah. Like three seasons ago, we were, you know, had Absolutely. less than a thousand people in the right? So, but it's not realistic to walk around as a human being sort of going, ah, it's all right. I've, Because I've, they never would have made it to the Premier League mm-hmm. if they had this mindset of like, oh, we've been promoted once, let's just chill out. There has to be this, this aspect of drive to achieve more. But I think that's why I'd say the goal is to just have the ability to zoom out from it from a moment and go, right, let's take some perspective. Mm-hmm. We've lost the game, but my life's pretty great. I'm a professional football player playing in the Premier League. That might be something that would be useful. Yeah. You yeah. know, and then equally, it's like, yeah, I've had a bad day or I fell off my diet today and my goal is to keep going. I want to look this way or I want to do this. But zoom out for a minute. It's not the end of the world. My life's pretty good. I've, I've done really well with this goal. I'm going to continue to do well. 
And I think that's why goal setting is a kind of continuous process, isn't it? And I think that's where sometimes just to bring it full circle back onto news resolutions, um, you know, it almost creates this uh, this sort of idea that this is a kind of one-time, like a one-off process. Mm-hmm. Whereas the reality is, of course, you get into the Premier League, you make some progress, and you go, right, we're going to recalibrate where our goals are, and we kind of restart from this point. Now, this is our benchmark. This is what we've achieved. Wipe the slate clean. Now, what do we want to do as a group, you know, or as an individual, for instance? And that could happen in the second week of January. That could happen on a day after you set your news resolutions, mm-hmm. or it can happen in March or next year, you know. So I think that looking at it in that way and saying, yeah, okay, actually, if I have this drive, that will mean that I will downplay some of my wins. Mm-hmm. How do I avoid always downplaying all of them? It's probably by recalibrating where I'm at, resetting and going and, and going again, mm-hmm. um, rather than this is a, a silver bullet for my for all my achievements. Yeah. Right, I'm conscious of time. We could go on forever, but we'll wrap up. We'll wrap up there. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll see you guys next time. Thank you. <laughs> Just waiting the whole time for that. I've been waiting to use this jingle the whole time. I was worried. I was, I was wondering if you were going to drop it in on us. No, we're going to sign out. This is the bit when it pans out and sort of this is it. doing the papers and sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a newsreader. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs>